Mix Radio Network. You're listening to Casey Ryan on the cutting room floor. Casey, the floor is yours. All right, how you doing, everybody? Casey Ryan here again for another episode of The Cutting Room Floor, a little podcast that I started to showcase indie entertainers and creative types from all walks. Uh, I like to say, if you've got a story to tell or a project to sell, I want to hear from you. So the easiest way to get a hold of me is on Twitter. You can ask anybody that knows me. It's a bit of a weakness because I'm on there all the time. Uh, my Twitter handle is at CuttingRoomMRB, or you can like me on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash CuttingRoomMRB. Uh, a quick little shout-out before you get started here to The Wolf, who acts as my announcer every week. You can listen in, you can listening to him and uh, and Susan uh, right here on the Mix Radio Network from 8 o'clock until midnight on the uh, live from Surround with those guys over there. Uh, also, thank you to Michael Cardolo who wrote the opener. I always give Michael full credit for this, something that he volunteered to do, and in a matter of a couple of hours I had my very own theme song, which I think is kind of awesome. Um, also, a, a quick plug for Casey Sheridan. So if you look over at her WordPress blog, I was uh, either the guest of honor or the victim, depending on how you want to look at it, for one of her pajama parties this week. Uh, I always look forward to working with Casey. Um, very prolific uh, romance writer, knows her pop culture, and is just one of the most fun people that I've ever had a chance to hang around with, and I'm proud to call her a friend. And she has these cool concepts for these uh, you know, pajama party interviews where she convinces people to let their guard down a little bit, and, and it's just good, clean fun. So uh, even if she did have me in Toronto Maple Leafs boxers and bunny slippers, but we won't necessarily go there. So, again, thanks to Casey for uh, another fun uh, collaboration, and you can check that out over at WordPress. So, uh, the reason that you're listening to this now or downloading it later, of course, i got two great guests lined up. Uh, Lori George is here in the first half, and I've got Jason Hadley in the second half. And Jason, you know, this, Jason's a pretty popular guy, so I, I'm kind of curious to talk to him. And he's also a fellow uh, uh, presenter here on the Mix Radio Network as well. He's got the Hollywood Rock and uh, Wrap Up that he does, it's sort of a, a spoof on uh, celebrity news. Um, but Lori's here. She's a member of what I affectionately refer to as my repeat offenders club. Uh, these are the people that have been uh, generous enough to, to donate their time to me more than once and come back on the show. Um, she's a prolific actress who's worked on a number of short films and feature films and has also held uh, jobs in the music business. Um, she's done sketch comedy, she's done YouTube videos, and she's honestly one of the nicest people that you're likely to meet online. So uh, without, for, without further ado, the cutting room floor proudly welcomes back uh, my friend Lori George. Uh, Lori, how you doing? Hello! That intro, man, that was awesome. Hey, I'm good at that. What can I tell you, right? Uh, <laughs> uh. It comes with practice. <laughs> So, no, in all seriousness, how have you been? It's been a long time since I caught up with you. I know, right? What, two? Two or three years? Something like that. I, I can't, I'd have to go back and take a look at the date from the last one, but you were on with my old format, so it's it's been at least yeah. a year or so, because you know, I've been doing this since last March, right? Yeah, this one is all fancy schmancy, it's awesome. Kudos. So, so, again, how have you been? What are you up to? Oh, man, well, I moved from California back to Arizona uh, this time I'm in the Phoenix area though and I've been working for a record label that's part of the Capitol Records family I guess you could say and then also for a production company called Sonic Fish Productions and any little odd job here and there that I can grab a hold of and it's 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 been interesting it's it's been quite a switch from California yeah Gotta say. Well, you were out in California for a long time too, weren't you? About three years. About three, yeah. three years. Okay, but you're mm -hmm. from you're from Arizona originally, right? 
Correct. Right. So I, I guess what brought you back to uh, to Arizona? Well, I just kind of got the hints from the universe, from God, whatever you want to call it, that my time was up there. I had uh, been involved in quite a few different, like you said, short films, full-length feature films, and uh, I even you know, wrote, produced, directed my first short film while there, but I just was not able to uh, just really just flourish there, and so I started looking in different states. Of course, you always look back to home, you know, one, that's the first thing people typically do. And I was like, okay, well, Arizona is looking better now than it was three years ago. So I just started asking around in the Phoenix area, and I found some wonderful family friends and uh, some job opportunities and got myself hooked up, and I moved. So, yeah, it was just me and a U-Haul trailer. It was fun times. But, I mean, the other thing is, too, is that I've heard this time and time again, and I've had lots of guests on from Arizona, right? I mean, you know Lynette as well as I do, right? Yeah. And, um, I mean, that's practically, you know, like a, a second Hollywood out there in some parts of the state, right? They, they get all of the major talent goes out there eventually at some point. It really it really is. It, it, it used to – I used to hear that all the time, too. I'd say in the last four years or so, even more so, I think the main reason for that is not only is it about a six, seven-hour drive from L.A., but more people are realizing, oh, Arizona, cost of living is cheaper than California, and I can still be involved in films and music without having to pay an arm and a leg just to live. So I, I definitely think those are two of the strong pools for people to come to Arizona, especially the Phoenix area. Well, and the other thing is, too, is that you said, what, it's only if, I, I didn't realize it was that close, but five or six hours? It's, yeah, it's about, well, depending on how fast you drive. <laughs> okay, yeah. But, yeah, San Diego is about five or six hours. LA is about six or seven-ish hours away. So, yeah, you know, if you want to hitch a ride on a plane, it's even shorter, but, yeah, it's, you can make it within less than a day. Oh yeah. yeah, so I mean, it's not like you you have to fly across the country or, or anything right, like that. You, right. you, you, you yeah. can do it easily in a day and and still make meetings if you have to, right? Totally. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So uh, I guess we can sort of touch on some of the uh, some of the projects that you worked on. The last time I had you on here, uh, you were kind of knee deep into the work that you were doing on um, a fun little project called uh, called Brick Madness. Yes. Yes, that is. That is just, I, I feel like it's a baby, but my friends Justin and Nicole McAleese, who are the director and art director, respectively, it's even more so their baby. They've written and directed it, and um, let me see. Justin let me know that he's working hard on it every day. It should be completed, in other words, you know, have a, a rough cut of it, by August 1st, and then he'll continue to polish it up. And we'll be hopefully looking into some distribution deals soon. It's about, uh, I'm sure everyone is familiar with Comic Cons. Everyone goes to conventions and they see their favorite comic book character, people who portray the characters in movies, that sort of thing. Well, the world of Legos is very similar and they have conventions. And so Brick Madness is a saying this very carefully, fockumentary. <laughs> it's it's not it's not a making fun of it, but it's a comedic 
yet respectful way of taking a look at the world of Legos, but calling them bricks for legal purposes, of course. Trademarks. And yeah. just exploring in the comedic way. Yeah. But, and, I mean, that's a whole huge culture out there, too, right? I mean, and, and I think it's Carlsbad that has the, has the Legoland in it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Legoland, you got, it's, it's, it's huge. It's, it's really huge. Plus, with the release of the Lego movie since I last talked to you, that's really spurred even more interest in the world of Legos. Well, yeah, and, and I'll, I'll freely admit to, you know, being the, you know, <laughs> being the perfectly mature, almost 40-year-old <laughs> man that I am, I'm hooked on the, uh, on the Lego video games myself, so, you know. <laughs> no, like, no shame, no shame in your game, go for it. But, uh, I mean, this is, you know, something that's taken on a whole life of its own, right? And, I mean, this isn't just for, for kids anymore. You see the, uh, I mean, I, I've got friends who are, who are adults that, that are, you know, buying the stuff that's branded, you know, I'll embarrass one of my friends by saying that he got the uh, the Ferrari one because he's into the whole F1 thing, right? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it's just like, you know, people who purchase those helicopters, you know, those little toy helicopters, and fly them, and they're adults. They that's their thing. Yeah, why not the Lego coast? <laughs> so, so you got this thing sort of like in in uh, in post production from the sounds of things. You said it's going to be they're targeting towards the end of the summer, right? To, to... correct targeting August first. Fingers crossed. Yeah, and then distribution deals come rolling in. I'm speaking that positively. I'm like, come on, let's go. <laughs> So how, awesome. how how do you I mean were these friends of yours or, or I guess how did you get involved? Right. It all started with Facebook. Doesn't everything? Um, Just like everything um, else, right? <laughs> <laughs> Not long after I had moved to California, I saw on a Facebook page or group, one of the two, and Justin had posted, "Hey, casting call. We're looking for people. Yada yada for Brick Madness." And I read the description, but it was a like a brief description. I just sent an email, an inquiry email saying, hi, I'm new to the area. I'd like to know more about the movie. Thanks so much. And in my, you know, with emails, you can include like a signature, whether it's a link or a, your name or whatever. And my IMDB profile link was in there. I didn't even say, you know, check out my IMDB link. I was just like, hi, I saw your description. I'm curious about what the movie's about. A little bit more information. Thanks. And they offered me the role in the reply without even meeting me or seeing my acting skills in person. It was just plop, here you go. We wanna we wanna offer you the role of the female minion. It's <laughs> like, okay. The fe female <laughs> minion. Uh, okay, I gotta hear more about this. How does one play a female minion? Uh, well first of all, when people think minions, they think of despicable me short little yellow characters. That's not what I'm talking about. Oh, okay, fair um, enough. You're not, it's, so you're not doing voiceover work or anything like that? No, but, no. Okay. Uh, more like the one of the lead main characters, I suppose you could say, is called Ricky Six. He is the Bricks champion master. And everything he touches at these brick conventions, um, a.k.a., you know, Lego conventions, he wins all the time. And he has this entourage, if you will, of people called minions who follow him around, who just, they're, they're at his beck and call. And I'm the only female minion who is in the Ricky Six group, I guess you could say. So that's what the minion part is about. So, yeah. No, and I, and I can tell in your voice that you must have a lot of fun actually working on this, right? Oh my gosh, nothing but fun. Professional people I worked with, there is no, there are no divas, there's no attitudes. It was just, I mean, you know, no one's perfect by any means, but 
every time I was on set, I had fun. I met someone new, always laughing, just loads of fun. Um, now, I'd like to switch gears, if I might, for a second, because I, uh, I know this is you know, another thing that you were very proud of, and not everybody gets a chance to do this, but, but uh, Recycled was something that you took more of a uh, sort of a hands-on role in terms of the back of the house kind of stuff. Yes, yes. In, in Fresno, California, there's a, I wouldn't call it a film festival. It's more of a, a participatory program where um, a topic is given, and then time dimensions are given, and let's say you have to have at least five different characters in your short film, and it has to run five minutes or less, or whatever the stipulations are. And I wrote, produced, pardon <coughs> me, and directed my first short film called Recycled. And it was it's about roommates who see this plate of food on the t- kitchen table that they share, and all of them are um, very curious about it, let's just say. And I wrote this, I, I was completely new to this, but I, I told myself I wanted to do it. I wanted to do it not just to say, oh yeah, I wrote, produced, and directed my first short film, but also as a female, I'm not like some neo-Nazi feminist or anything, but I do believe it's important for females to have more of a presence in the entertainment industry. So, um, I went ahead. It was a short. It was a short film. It's like it's it's under three minutes. And anyone who Google's my name, Lori George, and then recycled with a D at the end, can find it on YouTube easy. And I had a wonderful cast and crew who helped me along the way. And uh, it turned out to be one of the top few favorites of that particular Germ group. I think it was called the Germ O Five. It was the fifth one that they had. And the whole thing was about food, so yeah, it was it was so much fun. I've, I felt really good about myself in a, in, a, in a non-egotistical way. I just felt really good about myself knowing that this little idea I had in my brain, you know, it's now a small short film. It was really cool. I want to do something like that again soon. So, but I mean, it sounds like a, I, I, you know, I've heard about these time-sensitive contests. Like, did they give you a set window within it was forty-eight hours? I, I've heard of these festivals where they say, okay, the, you know, the secret ingredient to your—it's almost like Iron Chef, where they they, they basically plop <laughs> something down in front of you and say, go out and make a masterpiece in two days, right? I mean, right. Was, there are film festivals like that. I've been a part of those before. One of them, uh, one sixty-eight our film festival yeah that, that's the one to, yeah i've had a few that's people like talking about we that have to one. write yeah. produce direct everything within one week but this one it's more of a, a like two or three months so you know ahead of time when the due date is which gives you more flexibility to pull everything together so i guess how did you go about pulling it all together then um, i mean you know putting together your own project from start to finish what was that like i had been a part of a short film for a previous germ by the way, it's thegerm.org, O-R-G, if anyone's interested, uh, as, as an actress. I was in one of the short films, and that one was, that was interesting. That was like a gender bender, not, not, not in a typical fashion that you would think. The, the men played roles of women, and us women played the roles of men <laughs> in like this old-timey, like Fonzarelli, 50s diner type of deal. And... Uh, that so I participated in that and that got my feet wet in just learning about what the germ was all about. And so I just kept tabs 
on the drum festival, so to speak, and um, I attended them. I watched all the different films, and so that helped build even more interest in wanting to do one on my own. So that's that's where that came from. And is directing something that you, you want to do more of, do you think? I think so, yeah. Uh, you just, I think next time, <laughs> I think next time if I do direct something, I will just strictly direct instead of writing and producing and acting in it. Well, yeah, was, I mean, that was a that, bit that, crazy, even just for a short film. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a hell of a lot to take on, right? When you're... Yeah, even just for a short film, it took like five hours to film, yeah. But, yeah. but I, the way that I, I kind of view this is that, I mean, you know, looking back on all the, the stuff that I know about movies, it's almost a rite, of act, a rite of passage for a lot of actors, too, right? That you do so many of them, and then all of a sudden you get the bug, and you, know, you want to go out and, and actually helm one on your own. Right? That's so true. Yeah, because you can only, well, this is just my opinion, you can only go to so many casting calls and get turned down for whatever reason. You know, everyone has the reason. It's not particularly against you as a human being. They're just looking for a different shade of hair, tone of skin, different voice, whatever the case may be. But let's be honest, it's rejection. And I went to, oh my goodness, it's like going to hundreds of job interviews these days and not getting the job, not getting the job, not getting the job. And so I think that in combination with the fact that, hey, why don't I challenge myself and write, produce, direct something where I'm in charge, not like I'm a control freak or anything, but where I call the shots, why don't I do that instead? I think that's definitely, like you said, it's like a rite of passage. You reach a point where you're like, okay, I get what to do as an actor. Now, and I've been enough behind the scenes, you know, when I'm not acting to watch the director, producer do their thing, I have a general idea. Why don't I go ahead and just do this? So that that was my motivation. And it's almost to to some extent like you either love it or you hate it too. Like you, 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 I've had people on here that have said, you know what, this is the coolest thing in the world, and I found a new calling, and uh, you know I, I really want to do this again. And you get other people that go, oh, good lord, I'm never going to go anywhere near that again. And <laughs> you know, yeah. I know I know what my uh, one way or the other it teaches the you, you know something new that you love or it's something that you know what maybe that's best left to the other guys, right? Right, yeah. Personally, I prefer just acting. I prefer all the detailed stuff to just leave it to someone else. But if I'm going to direct or produce or write in the future, I will just direct or write or produce. <laughs> I won't try to do all of the above. <laughs> now, like you touched on this before, and I've I've had a few different women's groups on here that uh, you know people like Ann Lauer and and all kinds of other people that uh, you know that have come on here to talk about women in film specifically and and how there is an underrepresentation of women as directors, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, why do you think that this is still happening? And and uh, I, I guess you know what do you think needs to happen next in order to break maybe some of these barriers down? I can, just like anyone, I can only speak from my personal viewpoint, opinion, you know, I'm not speaking on behalf of anyone else, just in what I've learned, uh, especially after living in California and visiting Los Angeles and Hollywood so often for casting calls and getting to have, just getting to know people there and the overall feel. It's a stereotype, that's the best word I can think of, that women are supposed to be pretty they're supposed to be strong they're supposed to be sexy and 
calling the shots, no, not so much. Uh, they're considered to be, you know, a, a female dog, as it were. Um, and and it's just I, I really can't put my finger on it except to say socially acceptable. It's more socially acceptable for women to be in front of the camera than to actually be in charge and uh, calling the shots in a respectful way, of course. Yeah, and there's some it's just. I mean, I there's some, there's some extremely good storytellers out there too, right? I mean, so what? There's there's some extremely good storytellers out there too. The the yeah, and then what's even more frustrating is, well, for me, like I said, just me personally, all of these sequels and remakes of movies no, yeah, and it's... even TV shows they're bringing back. I'm like, I that's why the quite honestly, and you've probably picked up on this too, Casey. Quite honestly, I believe that's why independent film festivals are such a huge thing because people are looking at the quote-unquote Hollywood industry, unquote, you know, and they're they're just going, really? That's what people are investing their millions of dollars on, this regurgitated movie again? <laughs> and they're going, well, let's go to this indie film festival over here. Let's make something creative, unique, that's worthy of talking about or just for fun. And see how it does. And I wish more people would focus on that and bring those to the big screen instead of what's currently going on, at least here in America. I'm not sure. I can't speak for Canada or for any other country, but yeah. Well, I, I mean, I'll, I'll cite something that I've, I've quoted often where uh, I remember a speech that Kevin Spacey gave to a bunch of uh, you know British TV people and uh, he was at some conference or something talking about House of Cards and he said, you know what, that people crave good stories. And yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't matter whether it's a film that they consume in a two-hour setting or whether it's uh, you know something that they would binge watch over the course of a weekend. These labels don't matter anymore. People crave good stories, and they just want us to give it to them. So exactly, you know, yeah. that, That's why people like you know Amazon and Netflix are quite frankly taking up the mantle and doing so well because they have original ideas that people want to consume, right? Right, and a lot of them are for Netflix only or Amazon only. There, you can only see them there. You can't just click on the TV and go, oh, okay. And, you know, write, write about what you know. That's another big thing. Um, like the, the recycled movie that I did, um, that was loosely based upon the gazillions of roommates I've lived with, especially when I was basically couch surfing in California, uh, you know, trying to make sure I kept my head afloat not living in my car. You know, it's, that's... That's that's why stuff like that connects because pretty much everyone can relate to stuff like that too. So yeah. now I want to touch on something very briefly. Like I know that uh, a lot of the projects that you've worked on in the past, right, have been uh, you know sort of in the faith-based genre. And I mean, this is a huge market too, right? People don't realize how big this is. Oh yeah, right? the 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 comedic phrase I've heard a few people say is Jesus sales like s-e-l-l-s i'm like oh wow <laughs> yeah um yeah a lot of this stuff i've done in the past has been faith-based um i'm picky about just like anyone would be i'm picky about what i choose to be in though it's got to be people who are professional who are decent people who aren't cheesy with the the storyline and um uh yeah like i was in one nightstand play on words there a nightstand <laughs> one nightstand. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, I don't mind doing stuff like that at all. I would prefer being involved in a professional 
comedic or dramatic project where uh, I'm not concerned in the back of my head, like, okay, if my cousin or grandmother or or family members see this, are they going to be hiding their eyes or plugging their ears because of the words that I'm saying as my as my character? Or is this something that I could personally take pride in years from now and go, yeah, you know what, that was cool, and I don't have any guilt about it, you know? So yeah, I could be looking back on it and say, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there won't be any nudity or partial nudity from Laurie George. I can guarantee you that, no. I, th- I, I think we're going to um, take a quick pause here. I just want to see if I can get Jason in on the call. I think he's online, so if you just bear with me for a second, Lori. Sure. All right. Okay, yeah, we're just trying to dial Jason Hadley in here. It seems Hello. Like- hey, Jason, are you there? I certainly am, sir. Hey, it's uh, Casey Ryan on the cutting room floor. I think you have your speakers on there. If you can turn those down a little bit, I'd appreciate it. I'm sure. having- I have a bit of a, a feedback here. You there? You still you still getting feedback? No, not anymore. Okay, great. Yeah. Uh, uh, Lori, I just wanted to introduce you to Jason Hadley, who is uh, sort of one of my contemporaries here on the Mix Radio Network. He has a uh, a little spot that he does called Hollywood Rock and Wrap Up that is actually broadcast in over sixty different locations. Nice. Uh, and uh, Jason, I, I wanted to introduce you to uh, a longtime friend of mine here, Lori George, who is a, an actress who also is now uh, working in the music business in uh, in the Phoenix area. Right on, Lori. Pleasure to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. So, Lori, I guess as a wrap-up, I, I just want to make sure, where can people go to keep tabs on all of the, the great work that you're doing? I know that you have a very big uh, you know, kind of footprint online and that you engage well with people. Where can people go to uh, to keep up with you? Twitter's well, a good one. Uh, L-G-O. L is in Lori, and then underscore G-O-G-E-O. And then I'm also on Facebook. Uh, Facebook.com slash laurie.george.07 okay well great and again laurie thanks a lot for for stopping by as always this has been a lot of fun and and i'll definitely be in touch with you soon all right all right thanks for having me on casey nice meeting you jason all right always a pleasure Okay. Right. Great. Thanks a lot. So we were just talking with Lori George, and I have Jason Hadley on the line. Uh, Jason, I think what we're going to do is we're just going to take a very quick break. Uh, I'm going to play one quick track by uh, by Hilliot Fields, and then we're going to come back and talk with you. Is that cool? Love it. Okay, so you can just mute up there, and we'll be back in four minutes uh, or so. And this track is called Until My Head Goes Pop, and it's by Hilliat Fields. You can find uh, uh, them on SoundCloud. Uh, this is off the second album called F, and for those of you curious, I would have pronounced this F three stars because it's it's spelled F with three asterisks. Uh, and again, the, uh, the track is called Until My Head Goes Pop, and we'll be back to talk with Jason Hadley. All right, let's just see if I can get this sucker going here. Doesn't love. So why 
was Until My Head Goes Pop by Hilly Atfields uh, right here on the cutting room floor and you can find them on uh, SoundCloud if you want to check out more uh, music. Uh, that was pretty cool. I got in a, a bit of a YouTube vibe kind of to it. So, uh, Jason, are you still there? I still am, bro. What'd you think of that? 
Oh, it was great, man. Are you kidding? I really like um, I like soulful music, you know, and I think that really delivered. Yeah, no, it's uh, they definitely got a nice big fat sound to them. Very melodic, I thought. So, uh, so our guest in the second half of the show is Jason Hadley. Just to give you some information on Jason, this is his first time here. Um, he's an LA-based stand-up comic, uh, also does joke writing and voiceover work, and recently made his feature-length film debut, which we're going to be talking about a little bit later in the program. Uh, produces one-minute comedy spins on celebrity gossip uh, called the Hollywood Rock and Wrap-Up, and if you haven't listened to this yet, it's uh, trust me, it's a riot. Uh, and uh, I'm proud to have him on the show. He's uh, a contemporary here on the Mix Radio Network. I first found out about him through uh, through the Wolf and Susan, so I've uh, been wanting to do this interview for a while. Uh, so the cutting room floor proudly welcomes Jason Hadley. Uh, Jason, how you been? I've been great, man. Things have been really great. Um, you know, uh, did a little bit of stand-up this weekend over at the Ha Ha Cafe in uh, North Hollywood here in Los Angeles. And had a great time doing that. And uh, otherwise, just gearing up for tomorrow's wrap-up. So I, I meant to ask you about that. When exactly do, do, do you have one that's uh, sort of at the same spot every single week, or do they move you around because they are so short, or, or I guess when do they kind of program you? Well, you know, I, different stations, I, I'll tell you what, they program me in different fashions, and I think that's one of the beauties of doing just a quick hit, one-minute segment. Uh, it really makes me able to play all positions on the field because there are some shows where, like say for instance, like Susan and, and The Wolf, you know, they, they air me as part of the, the content of their show, as right. a regular feature and as a jumping off point for conversation. Um, other stations will air me just at the top of every hour. Uh, other stations still will air me during a commercial break just to hold listeners midway through. So, for, you know, I tried to make something that was versatile, quick, easy to digest, and fun. So, so I guess what kind of material do you cover as, as part of this? I mean, is it is it fake news and you're writing jokes for it, or do you take spins on actual events that are happening? I guess you know, tell us a little bit well, about your concept. Sure, the concept is essentially like E Network News meets The Daily Show, and so you know the source material is genuine in the actual current events that take place, but it's my job just kind of as a as a comedian to take what's real and turn it on its ear somehow or point out something that might not be uh, that might be askew from what they're actually trying to portray uh, so I mean do you have any favorite targets for, for and I'm going to ask this carefully because I know I'm going to cross a couple of people off my Christmas card list but, sure but, right, but, right. But, well you know I can tell you um, you know that there are certain individuals out there in in La La Land, if you will, that kind of write a lot of their own material. It's just my job to be, you know keep my eyes open for it. So you know, I mean, there are some some pretty popular people whose names I won't mention specifically, but it rhymes with Schmieber, um, you know, or the you know the the family that lives just outside L.A. that has a big reality show on the E Network, and uh, they're famous for all basically doing nothing. Uh, you know, so there's some targets out there that that definitely write their own ticket and and make my job a little easier. I'll say that. I got to ask you this: Have you ever gotten to the point where you've heard back from from somebody that you've, for lack of a better word, skewered? Uh, no, you know, I I have not yet, and I find that to be a good thing, and in the sense <laughs> that if they're really, you know, not if they're so compelled as to write to me, you know, I'm not trying to. I, I'll tell you what. Let me backtrack and say there's a very famous comic named Rick Overton, right? Uh, who had told me one time we were backstage at the Comedy Store on Sunset in Los Angeles. He says to me, he says after I go up on stage, he says, you know, I like that joke you did about James Cameron, but 
I'll tell you what. I did a joke about him, and they found out about it when I was doing a Coen Brothers movie, and they fired me from the Coen Brothers movie. So he says, what I would suggest to you is consider who's the bad guy in the joke. Right. You know, that's what it really comes down to. Like, you know, there are certain things that some people just cannot help, you know, whether they're born that way or something comes their way. But when there are people who who engage in in tomfoolery, for lack of a better term, of their own volition, you know what I mean? It's like it's all on them. You know, nobody put a gun to Justin Bieber and told him to pee in a bucket, you know. Uh, so those are the kind of things that I like to kind of go for, you know, I mean, if, if somebody, nobody's reached out and said, Hey, that's not fair. So clearly if they're finding me, then they got to agree with me on some level. Well, I, I mean, it sounds to me like you're, you're walking a very fine line between saying to hell with this and to hell with you. Right. Yeah. It is a very fine line because, you know, I mean, I'm not looking to make any enemies. No, no, no. Means, but at the same time, you know, it's like. Everybody deserves to have a little fun poked at them now and again, you know. And I, I, I mean it to be harmless, you know. I don't, I'm not going for the throat. Well, and and to to an extent, I mean, you know, people would argue too that if you're on that level and you're putting yourself in the public eye, on that level, I mean, nobody is exempt, uh, you know, regardless of what you're doing. I mean, I've certainly been the target of teasing a little bit, you know, in the, even in the process sure. of doing this podcast, uh, as I'm sure that you have. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, you know, the, the Internet is is the perfect environment for the people that can't say something directly to your face. Exactly. You know what I mean? yeah. So yeah. so I take all of that with a grain of salt. Um, you know, I got to tell you, the only negative comment I've ever gotten on a wrap up video was somebody commenting or correcting me that it was uh, some woman I was discussing that was connected to Mel Gibson was not officially his wife. I'm like, all right, you know what? You want to fact check me? Fine. <laughs> But, you know, so people got feel, too much time on their hands, right? It's, yeah, feel free to fact check me if you need to. And, you know, but, you know, it's more in the spirit of fun and just uh, delivering laughs on a, on a national level. And I got to tell you, I mean, I've, I've been picking up a lot of steam lately. I hooked in with some folks that, you know, I'm trying to always jump onto new shows and become, get new affiliates, but some of those shows have affiliates of their own. So, you know, I've seen a huge upswing, and I'd like to get that rocking and rolling on a, a live stand-up comedy tour around the country. Well, I mean, if they're only a minute apiece, if you want me to, I can start playing them in the middle of my show, too, if you want me to do it. Oh, I would love that. I mean, you know, and it's funny, because I, I churn them out Monday through Friday, uh, five days a week. I have to sit down, and it is a standing, you know, five-day-a-week commitment for me to put this out, and I love doing it. You I do love, five, love you, doing it. So you do five different barbs a week? or uh, Yeah, I do five separate minutes a week. So, you know, I mean, for someone who airs on a day like today, you know, I mean, you could always just kind of comb through the ones you want. And, you know, I mean, granted, they have kind of a 24 to 48-hour shelf life because, you know, the 24-hour news cycle is always churning out new stuff. But, you know, the fact of the matter is, is, yeah, you got your pick of the litter. And uh, like the the guys over on uh, Live from the Morgue, they air all five segments as part of their show. You well, know, and, well, if you, I mean, if you're cool with it, because I mean, this would fit in yeah. well with what I do, right? So, yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't I'll mind doing the it. Arrange, yeah, we'll make all the arrangements offline, but I, I'd love to, uh, you know, make it happen and cross promote and all those kind of things, and um, you know, just just bring some funny. You know, I got to tell you, yeah. one of the things I actually really want to do, as far as on an aspirational level with this wrap up, is I want to air an armed forces radio and be able to do live shows for the troops overseas. Um, that's, oh, that's a okay, big passion right. of mine. No, oh, have you ever thought about maybe even taking it a step further and seeing if you can get involved in a USO tour or anything like that? 
Yeah, yeah, and you know, I, I reach out to them. Um, so far, you know, they, they've they've got a pretty full dance card, and I'm certainly on their radar. And it's just a matter of, you know, in the comedy world, kind of taking it back to stand up. It's like sometimes the comp the the connections that you make now, you just need to nurture along until it comes to fruition when the time is right. You know, I mean. Uh, you know the the Hollywood Improv. The Improv is a huge chain of comedy clubs across the United States, and uh, you know I met the uh, the general manager of that one when I first started doing comedy, and only now is she like you know hey listen the the Improvs are getting a podcast network up and running, and you know I know about your content. Let's let's figure out a way to work together. That relationship took ten years. Well, I mean, you know, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and and that's not a complaint by any means, but because a lot of stuff that, that, you know, it's in the meantime, you know, you always are got irons in the fire as a comedian, you know? Anything can pay off at any time, especially like a, a an agent that I met, a junior agent that I met, you know, a few years ago now has his own full-fledged book of clients and we're talking about working together and, you know, those kind of things. And sometimes, you know, it's it's talent and sometimes it's just solid networking. Now, when you're doing your stand-up, and I, I got to admit, like I'm a huge fan of stand-up myself. My wife and I go, you know, fairly regularly to to comedy clubs and things like that. But, um, what kind of comedy do you think that you yourself are doing? Is it observational humor? Is it is it improv? You know, what what gets you going creatively? Yeah, no, I hear what you're saying. Um, I would say to just kind of best describe myself is I make my act all about the audience in the sense that. Uh, I just want to go up on stage and tell funny jokes. They don't necessarily have to be about me. They they can be, and I love self-deprecating humor. But you know, I'll take some maybe some old wrap-up jokes that I really love. They kind of have an evergreen type of feel to them because everybody's getting a DUI, everybody dies, everybody. You know what I mean? So sometimes it's just a fill-in-the-blank type joke, and I'll tell a few of those. And you know, the fact of the matter is, is I don't have a point that I'm trying to get across on stage, there's no message in my ministry other than let's just have a good time and laugh at a few penis jokes and call it a night. Now, I mean, are you the kind of guy that, that sort of tries to pick on the one guy that isn't laughing or the, I, I guess? Nah, you know, and that's, that's the beauty about being a stand-up comic. That's just all about having fun is, right. you know, there's, there's a couple, I won't necessarily pick on him, but I, I can't ignore him as as an artist. If a room full of people are laughing, and this cat is sitting there with his arms folded <coughs> over across, I I have to find his hot button. That is my itch. You know, everybody else is, you know, they're falling for the run of the mill act. You know what I mean? That that I work hard to deliver, like I'm telling it for the first time. But this cat, he's the challenge in the room. So uh, I guess do you, do you get a chance to travel much for for your gigs, or is it primarily in the in the LA area that you work? Well, you know, LA actually keeps me really busy, okay, admittedly. Right. So my travel schedule gets booked up. Um, yeah, my travel schedule is actually a little wider open than I'd like it to be. But I'll say, like I said, there's so much that keeps me in LA. You know, I'm more interested in in the road for the experience and the stories that come with it versus like a need to take my act on the road and make the money, you know, as a road comic. Um, there's a lot of guys that do that. And the comedy club scene has taken such a nosedive as far as the ability to pay comics that it's it's actually easier and more profitable for me to stay in Los Angeles and get the work done and all the decision makers are here anyway. 
Well, true. I mean, the only reason I'm asking is that we have, uh, in Montreal up here, we have one of the biggest comedy festivals in the world, right? With, uh, just for laughs yeah. every summer. So I was just wondering you if do. that... And, it, and actually, festivals is, is kind of on the next step on my roadmap because uh, we actually just had... Uh, at the comedy store I was there where was I it was a uh, Friday night uh, Friday night I was there and they were doing a Montreal Just for Laughs Festival preliminary round there trying to find LA comics that they're going to be taking out there and I was like I want to do that next year well awesome and like I said if you're ever up here uh, you know, let me know because I'll definitely make an effort to go to that show so. Sure, sure. I'd love to. You'd be the first one. You're the only one I know there. So oh, yeah. <laughs> show you a few of my favorite places. Uh, <laughs> now, in terms of your voiceover work, uh, this is something that I find interesting. I, what kind of voiceover work do you do? Is it for commercials? Is it for video games? Uh, I, I guess, what's the extent of yeah. this? Well, the extent of voiceover at this point, it's it's pretty nascent, you know, and it's I'm pretty early on in my voiceover career, but I've gotten some pretty solid credits. Um, I'll do commercial voiceover. I'll do, uh, like, radio sketch voiceover for other, um, you know, like people that are doing radio shows that just need the extra voice in their, in their sketch that they're getting ready to put together. Uh, I also do, like, corporate work as well. So there's a company that I'm involved with uh, called Smart Bee Controllers. They're a uh, they're they're an agricultural automation and uh, control thing for your garden. It's it's crazy. It's this whole electronic system that monitors your garden and all that stuff. But my job is to do uh, the voiceover for their their corporate sales videos. So, you know, something to the ex- extent of, you know, find out what everyone's buzzing about over at smartbeecontrollers.com, you know, those kind of things. So, but there's a, there's, there's a lot of money to be made in corporate work as well, you know, as, as most commercials are technically corporate work. So animation's the next level, as is uh, I'm making forays into trying to develop uh, narrating and like doing uh, like book readings and stuff like that as well. But, and I've heard that that can be uh, a fairly lucrative thing too, right? Because it's it's yeah. relatively, I hate to say, I don't want to say the word simple, but you're checking into a studio for a couple of hours and, uh, you know, once it comes back to you on the other end, that, that it can be, you know, something to, to enjoy once you have a, a backlog of it. Right. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. I mean, you know, here's the thing. The voiceover industry itself is one of those industries where they're like the last ones that get implemented in any production. So clearly they have the lowest budgets because all the money's been spent on everything else. They're one of the last budgeted items in a TV production. So uh, but at the same time, you're not being necessarily paid for your voice. You're being paid for the use of your voice. So you will get a scale rate to go in and do a job, like, you know, like $100 or something like that, which I think is the union scale. And, uh, you know, but it's the perpetuity of use and the mailbox money and the checks that come in from residuals that, that make it lucrative. Uh, and then th- that scales up from there. Uh, quick story, a guy uh, that I work with over at the comedy store, he's one of the Capital One credit card uh, commercial pirates, or one of the Vikings, rather, on that on those commercials. He goes in to do voiceover job. He says, oh my gosh, I don't have any change for the parking meter. I can only put 15 minutes on. And he came back out. There was still 10 minutes left, and he just put $9,000 in his pocket. Jeez. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I mean, you hook in on a campaign. I mean, you know, even in commercial acting, you know, like Flo, for example, I really hope she, she Flo, the insurance girl, I hope she really negotiated a solid contract because she's so everywhere that if she's not making money forever, then, 
you know, she did something wrong. <laughs> but, but, uh, to, to an extent, though, I mean, that, that's a really interesting choice of words, that you're not being paid for your voice, but rather the use of your voice. But, I mean, I, I've... I've got to imagine that, that you're going up on auditions. With, I mean, it can't be as simple as somebody just walking in off the street and saying, hey, yeah, I like the way this guy sounds, and that's it, right? I mean, there, there's got to be some kind of grading that goes along with it, right? Sure. You know, but the thing about voiceover is it's not always about a good voice. Sometimes it's about the right voice. So, for example, you wouldn't have, like, you know, comedian Bobcat Goldthwait doing like, you know, those Don LaFontaine movie previews, you know, in a world where, you know, freedom, you know, he, he, he wouldn't, he wouldn't be right for that. So you, you want to pick what's right for the job. And sometimes, you know, it's like I said, you wouldn't cast Morgan Freeman to do, you know, um, you know, like cartoon segments or anything like that, you know? Well, I mean, one could argue that Morgan Freeman could do anything that he wanted to at this point. I saw him Touché. do, no, I, I, saw, I, I saw him do uh, one of those uh, haikus for the maple syrup industry and, and it still sounded good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, listen, that man can make anything sound like butter. You know what I'm saying? But I, I mean, one of, one of my favorites is, uh, you know, when I heard, uh, I said, geez, that's Gene Hackman. And it was uh, an ad for Lowe's, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. And you know, a lot of, they're they're bringing in like Jeff Bridges does Buick and stuff like that. But you know, there's a there's a, a scale like a downward diminishing returns type scale where it turns into, okay, let's pay Jeff Bridges to do this commercial. Well, now we want to do it again. Well, let's find a Jeff Bridges sound alike. You know, where we can pay him like, you know seventy five percent less and still get the same exposure out of it. Uh, no, uh, the other thing that, uh, was this a recent thing that you made your feature film debut and the, uh, the movie was called Bro, What Happened? Yeah, so I was in this film uh, called Bro, What Happened and uh, it was directed by my comedy mentor, a guy by the name of Dante who uh, actually was just recently in Montreal if I remember correctly and um, in any case, a comedy mentor of mine for the last 10 years and he originally was uh, brought on to direct and write. And he had handed me the script and said, hey, take a look at this. See if you can punch this up at all. So I gave him some notes. And then this particular part uh, by the name of Beef, uh, who basically is the bouncer at the party. And unfortunately, no one asked him to be the bouncer. That's just how he feels important you know, at the party. So uh, Beef is basically um, – he's a supporting character. But the gist of the movie is it's sort of a college version of The Hangover. So, you know, a couple kids wake up after the, the night after or the day after the biggest uh, college party of the year and they got to piece together what happened uh, the night before and hilarity ensues and uh, my part just kept, kept getting bigger, bigger and bigger and um, until I ended up being a, a main character in the movie and that was just really nice because I, you know, as a stand-up, you, you get laughs immediately. You're immediately re rewarded for the joke. In the movie, when you're shooting a movie, you just have to lay it out there and hope editing can make magic. And uh, when and where, uh, I guess, is this getting released? Uh, um, has that been decided well, yet, or no? It's it's currently out now. Actually, it's uh, you you can rent it uh, on iTunes. Uh, you can find it on Hulu Plus. Uh, you can find it on Netflix and the CDQ. Uh, you can, I believe, we just set up a deal with uh, Redbox, which are the uh, the the uh, DVD vending machine uh, chain that's all around at least LA we have them all over here but uh, in any case um, 
Let's see. Most uh, Xbox, you can also uh, purchase it there. Amazon and Amazon Prime, of course. And it's just a great cast. I mean, uh, we got Jamie Kennedy, who's a great comedian. Uh, Bobby Lee made an appearance in it. Uh, some well-respected and longtime actors like Lorenzo Lamas makes an appearance in there, as well as uh, Dennis Haskins, the uh, principal building from Saved by the Bell. I got to do a scene with him. It was a lot of fun. He actually got to work with Jamie Kennedy. I'm a huge fan of his. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I got to tell you, Jamie Kennedy is hilarious between takes, you know, and, uh, you know, but a very professional guy. You know, he knew his lines backwards and forwards. He had multiple ways to deliver the same line. It's like, you know, I, I, I underestimated him because I already knew him as a great comedian, but I never had the chance to work with him as an actor, and I was inspired. No, I, I did a double take because he actually made an appearance on uh, a couple of episodes of Kingdom, that uh, that MMA uh, drama theme thing that uh, is yeah. on TV now. And I said, geez, that's Jamie Kennedy over there. <laughs> yeah. You know, he did a great documentary a few years ago that I was able to catch at uh, the AFI uh, Film Festival. And he did a movie called Heckler that I really took in as like – uh, a, a serious tome and and like kind of a lesson in learning how to deal with hecklers um, in the comedy world because you basically have two kinds of hecklers. You have the the guy who's there to completely just throw salt on your game and mess you up, and his night is going to be made by getting you to make mistakes. And that's the guy you have to shut down immediately. And then there's the other guy who thinks he's just helping the show because he probably wanted to be a stand up and never got around to it. And he just wants to contribute. You have to t treat him much differently and and still be able to control him, but not turn him into the other guy. And that, and that to me, almost would be scary. Like, I'm, I'm, there would almost be the potential to misinterpret who is who. I would think at times. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, you kind of have to suss it out, and uh, you know, but you have to kind of come from a really good place because I've seen comics like take. That, that really nice guy heckler, for lack of a better term, and turn him into, oh my gosh, I remember, it was Jason Alexander's son, Jason Alexander of Seinfeld. His son was in the audience with uh, a group of people he came in with, and the comedian on stage, like somebody said something in his, in his little group, and the comedian was like, what, what did we say? And, and kind of took an angry tone as if the stage time was his. And really, he, you know, you get, stage time's a blessing. And you can't take it for granted. And if you're there to be about you, you know you're not going to last. You got to make it about them. <clears throat> right. Um, I've just got a couple of minutes here, Jason, but I want to make sure we get in a good solid plug for all of your websites and your your social media feeds and everything. Like, uh, I, I know that you're very well engaged with uh, with your listeners. There, where can people go to uh, keep track of the Hollywood uh, rock and wrap up and anything else that you're doing? Sure, absolutely. Um, you know, as far as tracking down the Hollywood Rock and Wrap Up, feel free to uh, visit me on Twitter at Rock and Wrap Up. Uh, that's R O C K I N Wrap Up. And then, of course, you can uh, subscribe to my YouTube channel, Rock and Wrap Up, as well as go to the Facebook page, also same Rock and Wrap Up. Uh, following my stand-up comedy, you can always visit me on the Facebook at uh, Facebook comedian J comedian Jason Hadley on Twitter at comedian the letter J Hadley. Uh, of course, you can always uh, get Bro What Happened on iTunes and Hulu Plus and all the other stations I mentioned. Uh, and, of course, make sure you listen to the Hadley Hour, which airs on The Mix and also uh, several other stations, including Indie100.com, Lipsap, XI Radio, and uh, Planet Platypus. Well, I, what can I tell you, Jason? This has been um, you know, a big thrill to meet you, and it's been a lot of fun having you on. I'd be more than happy to have you back anytime you like, and if there's anything I can do to help promote you, then let me know. 
Okay. Yeah, rock on, man. I'll definitely follow up with you if you want to include the wrap-up, and uh, we'll, we'll work out all the details, and I'd love to be a part of the show. Mm, not a problem. All right, so we'll, we'll, uh, we'll take it from there. So uh, we've been talking with Jason Hadley, again, um, a prolific podcaster, actor, voiceover artist, uh, all kinds of cool things. So check out this guy. Uh, trust me, it's going to be a lot of fun for you. Uh, that's going to about do it for me this week. Next week, I'm going to be back at the usual time. I've got Kevin Alexander and Ben Wittowis that are going to be here, uh, plus more great music along the way. So another quick thank you to uh, Wolf, who acts as my announcer, to Michael Cordello for the track, and to my guest today, uh, Jason Hadley and Lori George, and uh, to Hilliot Fields for the use of their music. Until next week, you've been listening to Casey Ryan on the cutting room floor. Cut, print, wrap, and I am done. That was another edition of the cutting room floor with your host, Casey Ryan. Follow Casey on Twitter at Cutting Room MRB and on Facebook, The Cutting Room Floor. 